Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is storytelling. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zanzalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, this topic is somewhat inspired by your sermon from last week where you brought in Moana. I did. (laughs) Which went over very well, actually. It worked. People know the story. Why did you choose that particular story and what were you hoping to get at? Well, that particular story I chose for a couple of reasons. One, because I have recently rewatched it. So fresh in the memory. Fresh in the memory. Two or three weeks before I had rewatched the film myself. So that helped that it was there, but also because it had very clear moments of the illustration that I was looking for. And what I was talking about was I was connecting Advent with Act Two of a story as explained by Brene Brown in her book, Rising Strong, and how a community or a person cannot get to the end of a story without going through act two, that section where you try everything else to find a solution to your problem until you finally have to do the thing that is the hardest thing to do for you. And that that's a part of the hero's journey story arc. Sure. I mean, we even see it in the story of Jesus, right? His act two could be the whole entire section of the last day of the meal, right? He has the meal, He tries to tell people one thing and then they go for a walk together and that's a part of the journey. And then he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he tries to say, God, take this away from me. And he prays so much that he begins, you know, sweating blood, Mm -hmm. right? He tries everything he can to solve the problem any way other than going to the cross. But there is no other way to salvation than Jesus going to the cross, And so finally, in that moment, he has his act two moment where he says, thy will be done. Right. But I was trying to also relate it to folks in another way, Mm -hmm. because sometimes our religious story just comes with so much other kind of hard stuff to it that relating it in another way can give it a freshness. And so talking about Moana, who very clearly has her act two is when she leaves the island And her breakdown point is when she's alone on the ocean and Grandma Tala comes and finds her, right? There are key moments that it's easy to see the story structure. And so to talk about how the season of Advent then is this time where we recognize there's a problem. We recognize that our way of being in the world, the way of empire and the way of power is broken and harms people but we haven't yet gotten to the kingdom of God where all have enough and no one has too much. We're in that act two. We believe in a vision. We know it can happen, but we don't know how to get there yet. And Advent is that waiting for the not yet thing and choosing hope while admitting how hard things are. So Moana just happens to be a story that a lot of people know and is recent. And I knew that of the folks who have been attending and listening, the vast majority were going to be familiar with Moana, maybe not as adults who have watched it, but as grandparents or parents who watched it with their kids, that it's a story that's quite familiar. So why do you think storytelling matters? 
Yeah, I think storytelling is probably one of the most powerful things that we do. Human beings have been telling stories to each other for eons. Well, the Bible is essentially a set of stories that have been handed down, correct? Exactly. An oral tradition, that gift of telling one another stories, it is embedded in being a human being. Telling each other stories is perhaps one of the most natural and important things we do. We do it with infants when we tell them how they came to be wanted and loved. We do it with kids when we remind them of their first words and how they started walking. We do it with each other when we tell each other what happened the day before or even just telling each other about our day over the dinner table. We tell stories all the time. Storytelling is intrinsic to who we are. The challenge comes in how we tell the story and what we include in our stories, what we exclude from our stories, and how those stories can shape us. And I think that that's a part of what I find so intriguing about storytelling. I think the craft of storytelling is kind of making a resurgence right now. Yeah. People are paying a lot of attention to it. And you begin to see it in things like the board games or other games that people are playing right now. It's storytelling games such as Dungeons and Dragons or such as, um, have you seen Dixit? No, I haven't. It's another board game where there, well, it's kind of a board game card game, but it's a collaborative storytelling game where you draw cards that are just images and story comes out of it. So these kinds of games are having a huge resurgence. And in the same way that I think we lean into television shows and we lean into movies. Especially in this lockdown time of pandemic, there was for a while a very real worry by many people that they were going to run out of Netflix, right? You're going to run out of content. Yeah. Which fascinates me because six months before all that happened... All I ever heard from anybody who was covering pop culture is, holy cow, there's so much content. I can't possibly keep up with absolutely everything. (laughs) Right? But it's true because people long, especially when things are hard, we long for stories to tell us that things can be okay. And I watched Moana on a day that was really, really hard. I was super sad. My heart was broken. I was exhausted in so many ways, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally and all the things that 2020 has done to us, right? And so I curled up on my couch with a super soft blanket and I watched a story to tell me that things will end in beauty and new life. And that's our gospel story too, right? That's the story of our scripture. It's the promise of our scripture. It's the promise of our faith is no matter how hard things get in the end, the promise is that God will provide beauty and new life and hope. And leaning into these places where we get to hear these stories, where we get to be reminded of these things, it's part of human nature and it's important. It's important. Do you often find yourself looking for the sacred in any particular story that you're watching or listening to, or does it just happen sometimes? I mean, I'm a pastor by profession. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So inevitably my eyes are going to look for that. 
I would say that it's probably inevitable in the same way that when I'm watching a live theater production, I'm actually looking at spike tape and the way that the lighting changes. Sure. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Or the costume details, because my sister's costuming skills and my mother's costuming skills. So you look for what you know. You pay attention to those things that you understand and that will give you a connection to the story that's being told in some way. And whether that's finding resonance with a character or whether that's finding connection with a skill set that you can see evidenced, such as the running crew or the lighting designers or the costume designers or the wig stylers, right? Whatever it is that you have experience with. I watched the movie Knives Out, I think mm -hmm. it's called. And my sister had warned me. She was like, you need to just know that you need to watch this film. You can't just listen to it. So you're not going to be able to knit or crochet while you're doing this. Okay. Be prepared to just watch it. And I said, why? And she said, because the props are their own character. And I was a prop designer for four years. And it was an absolute joy and delight to pay attention to the tiny little details of the story that the props were telling. And again, it's this looking for meaning, for purpose, for hope, for joys. It's looking for the way that we can see ourselves in a space and what can it tell us about who we are and whose we are and where can we find hope within a story. All of that stuff plays into how we watch or how we tell or how we hear or how we experience a story. Stories can make us feel things, but what do you think they have to say about the world around us? This is a really interesting piece of it because I recently, I think it was just like two days ago, an amazing teacher on Instagram. She's an incredible Black woman who offers these kind of multiple slide teachings about how to be a better person for young children. Okay. And how to teach well. And she just did an entire section on diversity and how the stories that we tell, if they lack diversity, how we limit our children's worlds. And I think that the post was actually about toys. Oh, sure. That as you're buying toys for children this holiday season, finding ways to buy diverse toys. So the toys that your child has to play with, AKA, are the tools your child is being given to build storytelling skills. Sure. Are they all homogenous or do they have diversity? Because if they're all the same, then we never learn how to tell a story or how to imagine a world with wider representation. And there's an entire slide in this series about diversity in storytelling. Like when you tell a story, do your characters have kinky curly hair? Or do your characters all have smooth soft hair? How are you creating imagery that reflects the diversity of our world for children? And when we do that, when we're telling stories, when we do that, when we're creating that imagination space in a child's brain, then we're giving the opportunity for that to persist, for that to be normalized. So for me, all of my childhood dolls were white. Oh, yeah. Same here. Every single one of them. Maybe, maybe somebody would have had a Barbie that was black, but that's about all I can think of. 
I didn't. I had one in my hot pink 1980s poofy bag of 24 or 36 Barbie dolls. Mm -hmm. I had one Barbie that was likely meant to be Pacific Islander. Okay. Oh, man. I remember just getting Skipper and she was a brunette. And that was so exciting not to have a blonde Barbie. (laughs) My Skipper was was a blonde. Oh. Uh Uh-huh. And the Barbie of color was a tropical Barbie. Sure. And I really wanted tropical Barbie because she had longer hair than average. And so I could learn how to braid. Nice. Right? I mean, it's as simple as that, right? We don't learn how to style different hair if we don't have toys with diverse representation. We don't begin to even imagine how accessing Barbie's mansion would be different with a wheelchair Mm -hmm. if we don't have that opportunity, right? Sure. The way we play as children builds our storytelling skills. And the stories we see build our perception of the world. And so to never have diversity within my stories or within my imagination influenced my own participation then in systemic oppressions, right? Because the stories didn't create space for a diversity that our world can actually offer. Yeah. A happy accident of us deciding to get Netflix at the very beginning of this pandemic is they have a certain subset where when you click on the movie at the very top of it, it will say something to the tune of representation matters, Yes, which means you're going to get a diverse cast. And it tends to be geared lately, at least what we've been watching towards a more teenage, younger crowd. Mm -hmm. But I have enjoyed these immensely just to get that kind of representation because it really does matter. It does. And to have that openness and that opportunity to hear story with that wider representation and that wider imagination, it changes how we interact with each other. It changes what we can project into the future. Storytelling gives us the ability to imagine what might yet be. So if the stories that we tell ourselves are all about homogenous individuals obtaining power, then that's the world we're going to build as a community. If the stories we tell each other are about the diverse capacity of different people to change the world so that all have access to things, then that's the world that we can create. So storytelling, it's a part of who we are created to be And it's a way to show us how we will be in the future. I think that if we can recognize that, then we can be more intentional, right? So I read this thing on Instagram and I get really excited about it. And the way that I'm going to apply it is when I next play Dungeons and Dragons, I'm going to be leading a small game for some young students. Mm -hmm. So I am absolutely going to make myself be intentional to build in diversity into the descriptions of characters that I have. And I'm going to have to be daring because I don't want to bugger it up, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I need to do some research on how to do that respectfully and how to do it without stereotypes and tropes, which is going to give me reason to dig into and continue to confront my own systemic racism, right? But all of that comes through storytelling. 
and gives an opportunity for these young students to grow up differently than I did. Mm -hmm. Storytelling is awesome. (laughs) It's, you know, I just, I, I geek out about this because it matters. And it's what preaching is, right? It's what teaching Sunday school is. It's what reading our scriptures on Sunday is. It's storytelling. It's reminding us what story we're a part of and what story we can be a part of creating. That's what it is. Do you find yourself liking to tell the stories to a certain particular age group or set of people more than others? Or it's the act of storytelling itself that you find enjoyable? I think I just find stories enjoyable. Preaching is really hard, and I would never put the term enjoyable and preaching together for me. Okay. (laughs) It's always really hard. I may have a doctoral degree in this, but it's still really hard. That's fair. (laughs) But I think I enjoy... Well. So here's a random thought, a random memory that came. When I was 13 was when I started working with the local theater company in my hometown. We were two hours outside of New York City. This company was an amazing community company, and they allowed local high school kids and teenagers to help. And I was on running crew. It was my first show that I ran crew on, and it was a matinee and it was Christmas Carol. This was before I was a Christian. So the Christmas Carol was my Christmas story. Sure. That's my version growing up of a Christmas pageant. And I remember distinctly looking out at the audience at this matinee and seeing these kids who were younger than me at the time, leaning forward in their seats. And for some of them, it was the first time they had ever seen a live theater show first time Mm -hmm. that they had experienced this kind of storytelling. And in that moment, the whole idea of theater, of being able to gift people a memory and give them this experience to hold on to as a memory, as a story that could guide them, as a, an experience that would stay with them. That was the moment I fell in love with theater and with storytelling, because that's the amazing part of it. So I don't know that it matters what age. I don't know that it matters what group. I think it's this act of creating something together, a moment together, a memory together of this value of loving each other or sharing your wealth or believing in God, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That is an amazing, beautiful thing. Okay, that's going to bring me to my last question. Given the whole trope of there are no new stories in Hollywood. (laughs) Yeah. Do you prefer when you get something that seems fresh like Knives Out, even though it was a murder mystery and we all know those tropes? Or do you like it when they give you another shot at reinterpreting something like Emma? Mm. You want to go back and redo that same story again, or do you want a new one? I think it depends upon the day. Oh, sure. I think there are some days where I need the predictability. Like, I forget what day it was. It was a day off. So I took the weekend after Thanksgiving off. Mm -hmm. And I think on Saturday, I sat and I worked on crocheting a Christmas gift. And I watched four Hallmark romances. Uh 
And they are the same every single time. Yes, they are. They are the epitome of predictable. And it was so delightfully delicious and horrible all at the same time. (laughs) Right? Sure. That's what I needed on that day. I needed the predictableness of this. And I loved Knives Out because it kept me guessing the entire time. Yeah. I did not see any of it coming. And it's really hard to surprise me. So that's a very enjoyable experience to get to be surprised by a story. Yeah, it is. It's rare. Very rare. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about storytelling. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all so much for joining. If you have a favorite story or story process that you would like to share, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org or find us on Facebook. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.